0: Let's open open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11. Father, I ask that you would speak to us through your word. And that you would continue to build up our faith for our ministry and our calling. And as a church, that you would continue to give us your heart of love and blessing towards the community. And you would continue to teach us and show us what you have for us. Both in the ministry to this community and in a facility that would reach more people. And all these things, Lord, we give it to you. We look to you as we were singing today. You will be the one to supply and lead and give us wisdom. And so we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in a series right now called Making Disciples. And um, if, we could, uh, if we could all read Matthew 28, this is what we've been learning and focusing on. Let's all read that together just from the screen, if you will. We've been learning to make disciples. This is our calling. Every single one of you have different gifts and different callings and different purposes, but every single one of our callings always comes back to the the essence of Jesus' ministry. Jesus came to reveal the Father, to lead people back to the Father, to make disciples. We were all called to reproduce ourselves in the lives of others, to leave an eternal, lasting, redemptive impact in other people. All of your callings... All of your giftings always come back to relationship. And that's really what Jesus is talking about. So we've been learning how to fulfill our calling as believers, as Christ followers. He wants every single believer to partner with him in his ministry of making disciples. What does that mean? We're simply inviting people to be followers of Jesus. Why followers of Jesus? Because following him is life. Now, for those of you who might be here and you're seekers and stuff, this is not about like, you know, us learning how to manipulate or control people or Make them come to our church or think like us. No, that's not what we're about. Really, this is us living out our faith. See, we, we, we know that God has created us for a relationship with himself. Sin has severed that, and Jesus has restored that. And so we as believers, we're, we believe we're called to love people and to show them God's love by blessing them and then to invite them into the relationship with him. So to us, this is, this is all about love, Amen. And you've heard me say before that really this series is us learning the skill of making disciples. It's really a skill. Just like if you were to say, let's make a piece of furniture or make a fence. <laughs> or <laughs> make, it's really on my mind, you know, it's really on my mind today. Uh, or make, uh, I could, we, could, we could put a lot of words right, make this, make that, right? You've got to learn how to do it. And so the Lord was showing us that this series is about Making disciples, it's about how to do it, it's how to, and then this series is about making it IKEA simple, step by step, little things. And already, in the last number of messages, if you haven't heard it, the are just giving us little things that we can do to step out and make these things happen. And today I want to talk to you more specifically about building those friendships, those eternal redemptive friendships. You remember from last week in First Peter 2, let me just reference this before we get into Corinthians. That Peter said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God on the day of visitation. And last week I, I said that God has called us to walk in holiness. But holiness isn't just saying no to certain sins. It's embracing a life of good works, a life of love, a life of service. And yet and we're called to live in that holiness... And yet sometimes Christians have used that concept of holiness and they'll even use certain verses as an excuse to separate from the world relationally. And I said to you last week, and I showed you from 1 uh, Peter and from other scriptures, that holiness is moral separation. It means we live different, we talk differently, we act differently, we choose different things, we value different things, but it's not relational separation. That holiness is actually the opposite. It's moral separation and relational connection. Just like it says here that we're actually called, it says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Meaning that literally Peter's saying, hey, say no to sin while you're living among them. The call is holiness among them. The call is holiness and friendship. You'll say, but doesn't the Bible say friendship with the world is enmity with God? Yeah, it's not talking about relationship with people. It's talking about the values. We're to hate the values of our world if they're incongruent with the, uh, the values of Scripture. That's what, that's what every time the Scriptures talk about holiness and about not having friendship with the world, it's talking about not agreeing with the values, the belief system, the way they speak. Okay? So we talked about that last week, and yet we're called, we're called to be uh, in the world but not of the world, right? That Jesus said we are sent ones. He said you're to be holy and set apart and sanctified so that I can send you. And we said the key is to be an influence rather than be influenced, right? The key is that through our friendship we're loving, we're serving, we're influencing, that we're, we're light in darkness, we're salt to the meat, but we, and we're walking in holiness in the midst of people who are not Christ followers. Which means the people that we're called to hang out with are not going to share our values and our lifestyle at first. Now, that's important. The reason why it's important, like I said, for those of you who are not Christ followers, it's important because a lot of times there's this tension with Christians. Like I said, we're oh, I'm not supposed to be friends with the world or something. And so we struggle with this tension of of, of holiness but friendship, being in the world but not of the world. And so one way to deal with the tension, as I said last week, is to uh, uh, get away relationally. Sometimes we do this because we're afraid of the sin influencing us. Sometimes it's because we are uh, just uncomfortable. And sometimes we'll take scriptures out of context. Certain Christians, not us necessarily in this church, but certain Christians will take scriptures out of context, like I just said, friendship with the world, is enmity with God, and say, so you can't be friends with people in the world. That's, that is never what the Bible meant. That's not what the context means at all. Now I also mentioned to you that if you have kids, that, that because of the issue of, influencing versus being influenced. We have to be very careful with what influences them and who influences them. So it's a little bit uh, different as we're raising our kids. But listen, if we're going to raise our kids to be Christ followers, we need to teach them how to influence too. Amen? So those of you who, who are, are, hey, we need to protect our kids. We need to keep them safe from sin. Amen. Amen. And teach them to love and bless and serve and get into people's lives. That doesn't mean... Uh, uh, that it has to look a particular way, okay? And sometimes this argument comes down to should we have Christian schools and private schools, I mean private Christian schools versus public schools, or it comes down to homeschool versus not homeschool. That's not the issue, okay? One person can send their kid to uh, 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 um, public school and yet teach their kid and train their kid and disciple their kid to be a light in darkness. Others... We'll do it through homeschool. Others will do it through Christian school. It's not, that's not the issue. The issue is holiness and being an influence not, and not being influenced. Okay? And so for you know, those of you who know, my, my wife and I, we do homeschool. Praise God. And we do it for particular reasons, for discipleship and influence reasons and stuff. But we're not against uh, public school either. Does it make sense? It's not one or the other. That's not what... That's not what this message is about. But so kids, kids need to be trained to disciple as well. You don't just need to teach our kids to separate from the world and keep them safe and never disciple. But maybe the way we help them and lead them into discipling relationships would be look different. Does that make sense? Okay. We don't need our kids to become 18, 20, 24, and many of you are young people, so you mean you're at that age right now. We don't need to raise up a generation where when they're 22, 24, they don't know how to relate to the world. But we also don't need to raise up a generation that has been so influenced that they're not a light anymore. So that's where as parents, we have to make some of those decisions, don't we? We have to think what's best for my kid as I disciple them and raise them up and teach them how to walk in holiness and friendship and discipleship to the world. Okay? Some of, you are in totally, some of you aren't parents, so some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Some of you homeschool, some of you send your kids to private school, I mean public school. I mean, it's all, it doesn't make sense. Everybody's in different places here in this room. I'm saying get the principle down from 1 Peter. Teach your kids, and let's teach each other, 1 Peter 2. Get our kids to a place and get ourselves to a place where we're not tempted by the things of the world so that we can influence. And that's where I gave you that example where... Paul says, and this brings us to uh, 1 Corinthian, Corinthians, and uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter 11, but if you back up real quickly to, um, to chapter 10, Paul gives this principle, and he, he's, the whole time, in chapter 9 and 10, he's telling them, don't live in sexual morality, don't worship idols, don't do that, he's teaching them to walk in holiness, okay? The Corinthian church had a number of issues of still looking like their culture. So they were the ones that needed to be separated a little, you know? Get away from those people a little bit, you know what I'm saying? They were literally, these people in Corinth were ex-prostitutes and, 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 and ex-extortioners, uh, 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 you know? Like businessmen and women who were like cheating people. They were, they were like living in... in, in horrible lifestyles and so Paul had to teach them like get out of that you know you're not that anymore you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus stop living like that and he needed to teach them some of these things so he'll tell them don't worship idols and don't live in sexual morality and don't do that and he says that in chapter 9 and 10 okay that's the call to holiness but the whole time from chapter 9 all the way through chapter 11 he's also saying that I have this freedom that I don't use for myself but I use for others and he says I'll become all things to all people to the Jew, I'll become a Jew. To the Gentile, I'll become a Gentile. To the one without law, I'll become one without law, though I'm still under the law of Christ. He means, I'll go and I'll meet with them and I'll hang out with them. I'm not gonna, va- I'm not gonna compromise holiness, but I'm still gonna go and I'm gonna hang out with them. He says, I'll become all things all people, and he says, the reason is because I want them to come to know the Lord. And so he says this in chapter, at the end of chapter 10, in verse 27, he says, if any one of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you. He's telling these Corinthians that, hey, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. But hey, if they invite you over to your, their house, don't, don't, don't even ask them if it's sacrificed to idols. Just eat it. Because he says, an idol's nothing. It's just an idol. Like, who cares? Don't worry about it. But he says, he says, eat it. He's telling us to go and hang out with people who are not Christ followers, who are living lifestyles that are immoral. There's some environments we should never go to as Christ followers, but there's a lot of environments, go over to their house, or go, like I said, an example of maybe going to a bar, not that you would drink, but that you would go to that bar, and you would spend time with them, and talk with them, Paul is saying go and eat with them, they live a different lifestyle than you, maybe even a lifestyle that's contrary to the word of God, they might cuss, and they talk differently, but you've got to get into their world, and he's saying, he's saying to do this, and he tells us the principle there in the end of chapter 10, verse 31. He says, therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And we quote this verse all the time. See, a lot of times we quote these verses so generally they've lost their redemptive power. These verses are calling us to make disciples, and we've just quote them out of context. You say, well, what does that mean to do all for the glory of God? Whether I'm eating or drinking, it's saying if you whatever decision you make. Well, should I drink the beer or should I not drink the beer? And remember, just only one or so, right? <laughs> Should I drink the beer or not drink the beer? Do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. And we learned last week that Paul is telling us that the paradigm you make a decision about has to do with the glory of God. Will you say, well, what does that mean, do it for the glory of God? Because a lot of times, like I said, we twist this and we make morality some privatized, personal, individualistic morality when holiness has always been about being a light to others. Holiness is about your calling and your purpose. And listen to what he says. So verse 32 So, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks, which would mean people who aren't Christ followers, or to the church of God, verse 31, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. He says, the decision I make to glorify God, whether I'm eating or drinking or whatever I do, if I go to eat the dinner, if I don't eat the dinner, if I don't eat the meat, if I do eat the meat, he says as always governed by the choice to glorify God by what is most beneficial for the person that will lead them to Jesus. He's always thinking, how do I model Christ? How do I speak Christ to them? How do I build friendship? So the point is that if God is, invi- God is inviting us to go and build these eternal redemptive friendships, why is this important? Like, some of, again, some of you might not be Christ followers thinking, why is this important? Because every Christ follower who wants to please God and impact people's lives will struggle with this tension. Amen? And we've got to have a paradigm. Yes, we need to be led by the Spirit, but Paul is giving us the paradigm right here in the Word of God, saying, here's what I do. I seek to serve people, to use my freedom to bless people and to serve them and to lead them even just one step closer to Jesus. This is what I've always done when I came to Christ. I told you guys last week, I would tell my friends, I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. But that doesn't mean, okay, so I separated my stuff. So from a lot of immorality and a lot of alcohol stuff, you know, stopped worshiping at that porcelain idol, and started walking in holiness, and I had to look different, I had to talk different. We would make sexual jokes, and, and uh, as many men in the world do, and, and sadly some Christ followers, you need to stop that if you do that, and... and Bible says no coarse joking and stuff, and I had to stop all that, and so I would sound different, I looked different, I talked different, not that I would judge or be haughty or anything like that, and so just by doing that in high school, of course, all these people started ta- asking me about Jesus, and why are you, why, why don't you do that? Why don't you go to that party? Why don't you do that? So I got to talk about Jesus all the time, just because I look different. I was at my work one time, you know, they all get mad, and they say, David, how come you don't get mad? I was, Well, I used to get mad all the time, but Jesus is in my life. And so all of a sudden, now conversations are happening. Why? Because I'm walking in consistent character in the midst of these things, right? But I would still go hang out with my friends. If they're going to go to a movie, I might not go see movies I used to watch. I might say, hey guys, I I can't watch that movie. But but generally, if they're going to go to a movie, I, I would make this choice. Well, should I go do this? Or should I go to the movie with my friends who aren't Christ followers? I'm going to go with my... I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with my friends who are not Christ followers. Why? I'm going to choose relationship. It's not about the movie. It's about relationship. It's about them. Does that make sense? And I, and I still try to maintain, you know, I'm not going to watch something that's, that's immoral or like some horror movie, but I'm going to make choices based upon what's best for them. Okay? So we embrace holiness. We embrace friendship with the world. This is what Paul is telling us. And he's telling us this is what he does. He says, I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Then listen to verse 1 of chapter 11. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You've got to stop and think about that. Now, I know I went through it fast, and you can read 1 Corinthians 9-11 through on your own, but you've got to think about that for a second. See, in the original text of Scripture, there's no chapters or verses. So you've got to read this as Paul's saying, hey, let me tell you what I do. See, I make sure that whatever I do, I do it for the glory of God and to serve other people so that they can be saved. And so he says that this is the paradigm I operate on through verse 31 through 33, and he started his argument in chapter 9, and he's trying to tell them how it is that he ministers to people. Then he says, now imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now you imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now see again, we take that verse, and we'll just take that verse out and apply it to everything that's true. It's a good principle that we could apply to anything. Follow Paul's example of following Jesus just as, and just as he would be following Jesus. Yeah, praise God. But do you see the context for that? Do you see that if you read it in context, he is specifically telling us, I use my freedom to serve others because I want people to come to Jesus. Now I want you to do what I do because guess what? Jesus did that. Do You see that? So that the next time you quote, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he's calling you, to a lifestyle of making disciples, of building redemptive friendships. Do you see that? Do you see that every single one of us as believers is called to this? See, now the apostle Paul, he was preaching the gospel over the the known world, right? He's planting churches. And a lot of times we think, man, I can't relate to Paul. A lot of times we think, I'm not Paul. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a church planter. I'm not planting churches. I'm not doing all this stuff. He's not asking you to be. A lot of times we see people like Billy Graham, and we say, I'm not Billy Graham, because we see the impact they're making, the reaching thousands, and we're seeing the platform that they're on, the vehicle by which they're making disciples, and we say, I'm not that. Or we see the personality of, a, of a, an evangelist is extrovert and charismatic and just like makes a million friends and is persuasive and uh, influential and all that, and we think, I'm not that. I'm kind of shy, or I'm introverted, or... And so what we do, a lot of times, is we rule ourselves out based upon those things rather than understanding what's going on. Think about this with Paul. He is not telling the Corinthians to go plant churches, although I'm sure he raised up people and they went with him and they planted churches. He's not telling them to plant churches. Some are called to that, not all. Some of you might be. He's not telling them you have to go and travel around the known world and He's not telling them you have to do, be a televangelist or stand up on street corners. He's not saying any of that, is he? Because those things are not required in the gospel. Now, praise God for people who go stand on street corners if that's what they're called to do. Praise God! But that's not what he's saying, is he? But what is he saying? You and I are called to follow in his example as he follows in Christ's example, which means every single one of us is called to embrace this value of desiring people to come to Jesus and this lifestyle of choosing their salvation over our comfort. See that? Listen to me. As your pastor, I want to tell you, never, 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 never exclude yourself from obedience to the commands in the Scriptures because of your personality. Some might say, I'm not Billy Graham. I'm an introvert. I'm this, I'm that. Good, you are. You are. That's fine. Let's say you are. Let's say you're an introvert. Those of you who say, I'm an introvert. Praise God. Good. That is never, never an excuse for you to disobey clear commands in Scripture. Does that make sense? Now, I've just said that to you pastorally, and you could apply that in many ways. But sometimes people will read a book or a self-help thing, and they're like, yay, I don't have to obey God. I mean... We don't always say it that way. I mean, I, I thought like Sam was really funny last week. He said, oh, if you don't have a tunic, you don't have to do this scripture, right? He made a joke uh, with Tom reference. you have two tunics, give one away. He said, well, if you don't have a tunic, you don't have to, and I, I made a joke. I said, Whoa, we don't obey God. I mean, the, people do this though, don't they? Oh, we don't have a tunic, we don't have to obey God. Oh, well, I'm not Paul, I don't have to do that. And we get ourselves out of the clear commands of scripture. It's a clear command that we are to build redemptive friendships making disciples, by building friendships, by getting into the lives of people who are not Christ's Do you see that in 1 Peter 2? Live your lives among them so that they can see you and observe you. It requires you being there consistently, walking in character consistently over time so they can watch you and they can receive love through you. They can see God's life through you. You can build their trust. You can show them what Jesus is life, like through that relationship imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. But another, time, another thing that people do is they'll feel guilty because of their personality. Right? So you're an introvert, you say, or you're shy, and you, and you then think, well, I'm not Paul, or I'm not Sam, or Kurt, or something like that, and then you feel guilty because you're not somehow being a Christian. And I'm going to tell you, no, you're wonderful. In fact, extroverts, and introverts, great. I mean, that's so general too, by the way, right? And there's different personalities and giftings. But extrovert, introvert, you know, honestly, introverts, okay, I might be a little buy it, are like the best friends. Because even though they might not be the charismatic party-goer, and they need their alone time, a lot of times introverts are the ones who get into someone's life, if you're intentional, and they're sometimes the most loyal and they go the most, uh, they go the deepest. What I'm trying to say is if you're an extrovert, be an extrovert, if you're an extrovert, be an extrovert, if you're an introvert, be an introvert, Paul is not telling you to be him or his personality or his gifting. He's not telling you to have a particular vehicle or platform for your ministry. He's trying to tell you the essence of what love looks like. Now think about that verse imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul set an example. Do you know that when Paul was going around to the different uh, cities, he went to synagogues and he preached the gospel, but he also built friendships with people. We have tremendous evidence of him having uh, friendships with people who were not Christ followers yet, who were uh, the leaders of the city. He built friendships with the lowest, you know, the low and the highest of the high. He built friendships. Not everyone got saved right away. We have evidence of that in the book of Acts, like chapter 19 and other places, that he built friendships. We watch, if you watch the way Paul did things. My point is, sure, his vehicle was to go out and church plant and stuff, but he's literally telling us how to just simply influence people with love. He's trying to tell us how to become their friends and serve them and bless them in such a way that leads them closer to Christ. And he's saying, hey, I, I do that. I do that. And I want you to do that. But here's the mo- more brilliant observation Imitate me as I imitate Christ, which means that this is what Jesus did. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ, which means that if Paul is saying, hey, what I do is I use my freedom to serve and bless people so that they can come to God. Now, I want you to do that because I do that, but guess what? I do it because Jesus does it. So that tells me if Jesus does this, I need to do it, right? Think about it. What do, we, what do you hear me saying? Uh, in Luke chapter 15, it says, uh, let, me, let me just read some of these things to you. Luke chapter 15, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. And when the Bible in the gospel says sinners, sinners were, bottom, sinners were defined by the Pharisees as anyone who just didn't do what they did. Okay, so we're talking people who don't go to church. People who don't tithe. Literally, Pharisees wouldn't hang out with non-tithers. Isn't that nuts? That's interesting, huh? Talk about, like, creating enemies. The Pharisees were just greater better than you, were holier than thou, and we're not going to hang out with you because you don't do that. Jesus was the exact opposite. So, but I just mean that sinners means anyone who wasn't, like, walking in the way of the Torah. Okay, there's a lot of people out there in our culture, and we don't call them sinners, it's, 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 just, it's a word that was being used to describe that group of people that the readers would understand. But listen, Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors who were the traitors. I mean, they were literally, it would be like, um, no, you can't, I can't even say it's like a Republican and a Democrat hanging out. Like, it's way more extreme than that. It's like you are a traitor to our country. Like, okay, I got it. It'd be like, uh, back in the days, it'd be like uh, people hanging out with a communist. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. I'm saying like, it would literally, Jesus is hanging out with the enemy. The one ruining our country, financially, bankrupting our country, stealing from our people. Do you flow with me? And Jesus is hanging out with the sinner. The one who doesn't obey God. The one that in the Pharisees' mind God has rejected. See, in the Pharisees' mind, it's not that they've rejected God. It's that God has rejected them. And of course, that's not true. God is always pursuing us and sinners and everyone. So Jesus, it says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. Now, why were they drawing near to hear him? Because he was preaching grace. He was preaching the gospel. He was saying, repent. But based up, he was revealing the goodness and the love of the Father. And it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. One time, this is actually Jesus' statement about himself. Listen to what Jesus says they say about him. So basically what I mean is he was well aware of their accusation and their criticism of his ministry, and he says this. The son of man came eating and drinking, and he means wine, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, bibber, which, okay, that's New King James, means drunk, drunkard. Uh, Listen, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, that's what they called Jesus, and he embraced it. You guys say that I'm a glutton and a drunkard. Now, obviously, he wasn't a drunkard and a glutton, duh. But they accused him, why? Because, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. That's a good, there's proverbs like that, aren't there? But the wisdom in the scripture is always balanced. That's the beauty of the Proverbs, by the way. You'll have two Proverbs that contradict each other because they don't actually, they complement. each other. Of course, good company, uh, I mean, bad company corrupts good morals, but doesn't good company corrupt bad morals? I mean, restore bad morals? <laughs> listen, listen, li- listen. I love what Jesus says. He, says. he says, you call me, you call the son of man, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a drunkard, friend of tax collectors and sinners. But listen, but wisdom is justified by her children. Did you hear that? I love that. Meaning, you'll see. You'll see how this thing works. Wisdom works. Wisdom. He says he's doing what's love, but listen, he's doing what's wisdom. Because he's, here's wisdom. Dude, a doctor doesn't go to the well. Remember when Jesus said that? What? A doctor doesn't go to the people who are well. A doctor goes to the sick. He's saying, I'm hanging out with the people who need me. And it's the same thing with you guys. People who are far from God, who don't know Jesus, maybe Christians who aren't uh, walking in the fullness, people need us to love them and to bless them and to be Jesus to them. You're here for others, not for yourself. Jesus wants us to think the same way he thought, to love the same way he loves, to value the same thing and the same people he values, right? What I'm saying is this is his ministry. Yes, Jesus preached to crowds, And sometimes we say, good thing I don't have to be like Jesus. You know, he was an itinerant preacher. I'm not an itinerant preacher. He preached on hills. I don't have to preach on hills. And we rule ourselves out from doing what Jesus did. But the Bible says, imitate him, follow him. Well, in which way do we follow him? Well, just like the disciples went to a dinner with Jesus, with sinners and tax collectors, and people who were getting drunk, and people who were eating too much, and they sat there with them and loved them. And the Pharisees accused them of sinning they weren't and that's the point is to be holy in the midst of all that jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners he befriended people jesus had a zealot a political revolutionary as one of his 12 it's like talk about being friend of all these different types of people right a tax collector and a zealot and they're both disciples and he brought unity to them it's because he was friend of both, and he invited both into him. Does that make sense? That's why we as a church can have Democrats and Republicans and be in the same church and love each other and do ministry together. We disagree. The zealot and the, and the tax collector probably disagreed. And yet they learned the way of Christ together, amen? And they walked in unity. But how did that happen? How did Jesus bring that unity? Because of friendship, and he discipled them. And what would Jesus do? Is he the only one who went and hung out with the the sinners and the tax collectors? No, his disciples were right there, wasn't he? Well, see, Jesus did it because he's holy, he's God, he can do that. No, he said, guys, come here, I want to show you how to do ministry. Let's do it. Let's go hang out with these guys. Amen? This is what the Lord wants for us to do. And so Jesus said the same thing Paul says. Verse, uh, Matthew twenty twenty seven And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his lance, uh, life as a ransom for many. Isn't that exactly what Paul just said? I don't try to serve myself, I try to serve people. And the specific application of that is building friendships with them and getting into their lives and seeing their lives transformed. Is that not what Jesus did? Amen? So listen, if Jesus is friend of sinner, we ought to be. Amen? If Jesus is friend of sinner, then every single one of us is called to do the exact same thing. And that means that we need to deal with these issues of holiness in our life because if we are not holiness, we will be tempted and influenced and lose our witness. That's not good. So we need to, get, we need to deal with things. That's why we need like purity groups and, and, and we need to deal with issues of like gossip in our lives and get free from temptations that we struggle with so that we can actually be a light in darkness. I'm passionate for the Christ followers to walk in holiness. But we don't need to teach holiness in such a way that pulls us out of relationship with the world. But rather, we actually need to learn the skill of building friends. I find this to be very interesting, the fact that Jesus was really good at building friends with people who were far from God. They obviously didn't think the way he thought or lived the way he wanted them to live. And I find it very interesting that the Apostle Paul was really good at building friends. And I find it very interesting that they both tell us to do exactly what they did. Does that make sense? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Did you know that the book of Proverbs actually teaches us how to build friends, how to influence people? Now the Proverbs will also tell you what influences to avoid, but I find it very interesting that so many Christians quote those verses. They quote the verses about how you need to run away from bad influence. But what about the verses about influencing? It's time for Christ followers to be that holy and that confident that we can influence. You see the point I'm trying to make, right? I'm not trying to advocate not walking in holiness. You guys know that. I think, I mean, I hope you guys know that. And so listen to this proverb here. I love this proverb. It says, he that walks with the wise shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now listen, we can quote that to say, don't walk with fools. And that's true. You, You hang out with an angry person and let them influence you, you'll become angry. You let, a, you let a, a fool influence you, you'll become a fool. And some, I've watched people do this sometimes in the church uh, where people will allow other people to influence them, they'll get into f- bad financial decisions and such. No, that's not good. But listen, the opposite, is, the negative is true, but the positive is true. If you'll walk with the wise, you'll become wise. So we have got to think like this. I'm wise. I don't mean that in a prideful sense. I just mean that we know the way of Christ and, and we're, we're walking in wholeness. And we say, we're wise. So if they'll walk with us, they'll become wise you see that? There's a warning. Don't be influenced, but influence. If you'll walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Now, of course, that means get mentors and come to life groups and such in your own life, but it means that you get into someone's life and you be the wise person. Amen? Listen. It's about being a companion, a friend, though. They've got to walk with you. You hear that? They've got to walk with you. They've got to be your friend. They've got to watch you. First Peter 2, that they would observe your good works. They'd watch how you treat your wife, your kids, how you respond when, when, when you're tempted to get angry or when you're stressed. And they watch you and they think, that's different. You know, the word different means holy, right? That's different. And they see Christ in your attitudes and actions. Listen to some of these things. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. The Bible teaches us how to influence. You no, know, sometimes we can get into arguing, proving our point, convincing them they need Jesus. Or sometimes Christians get onto tangents. We get really big into conspiracy theories or politics or... Um, uh, uh, those are two big ones. There's got to be other ones, right? Uh, we get into these side things, creation versus evolution and we want to prove that to the non-believer, and we end up getting into an argument where we convince them, and we want to be right, and they're wrong. Sometimes we do that. But a lot of times what we're doing is we're importing our wrong ways of having relationships into our Christianity, and then we justify our bad relationships and our bad ways of doing friendships by, uh, well, well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and I need to tell them that. And we think that the fact that we're right it makes our actions right. No, no, you're dead wrong. The Bible says that it's actually through long forbearance and gentleness that we can persuade even a ruler or a king. So say you have a boss or you're a teacher and you have certain restrictions around how you can communicate the gospel or when you can communicate the gospel. It doesn't mean you never do it. It just means that you have to be wise. It means you have to be thoughtful. It means you need to be respectful and honoring. See, the, the Lord does not want us to get into arguments where we prove I'm right and you're wrong. The, the Lord wants us to be people who persuade and influence through gentleness and respect. Think about First Peter chapter three. Um, he says this in First Peter three. He says, "But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone or everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you ha- uh, for the hope that is in you." But listen, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. Do you see the qualifiers? Okay, now I want you to be ready, and we're going to talk about this. I want you to be ready to share the hope that you have. Share, be ready to share your testimony, or be ready to share the gospel to people. You need to be ready for that. But listen, make sure you maintain what I've already been talking about, because he's already been talking about this. Make sure, you, make sure you maintain a good conscience. What does that mean? Make sure you're not like trying to manipulate them. Make sure you walk in meekness and fear, which really just means respect and honor and gentleness. It's the way you say it. Don't start being haughty or judgmental or, or trying to argue with them. Don't get sucked into it. Now, I'm not saying you can't talk about politics or end times things or, or uh, creation versus evolution or things like that. I mean, go right ahead. Uh, I, what I mean is don't, get in, don't let that sidetrack and get into an argument and end up dividing the relationship, dividing the friendship over some I- idea rather than emphasizing Jesus and emphasizing the friendship. Amen? And that's true even in the church that we need to walk in unity. And so honestly, what could really go a long ways are just learning a number of really, really just good practical tips on how to be a good friend. You know, sometimes we just need to learn that. And we need to apply some just good basic wisdom of how to cultivate friendships that sometimes we miss. Proverbs 18, 16, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. This is not talking about bribery, this is talking about when you give somebody a gift and you bless them. A gift could be a blessing, a word of affirmation, a physical gift. It opens people's hearts. Don't you feel good when you receive a compliment? Don't you feel good when somebody gives you a gift, right? Now think about that for a second. What kind of people do you want to be around? If I had you make a list of your closest friends, why are they your closest friends? Why do you want to be around them? Is it because you feel judged and belittled and that you feel like they're better than you? Is that who you want to hang out with? No, you want to hang out with people who understand you, right? You want to hang out with people who make you feel valuable and important, who listen to you, right? Now, you're going to listen to them too, but you want to be friends with somebody who's going to ask you questions and listen and know you, right? Why do we want to hang out with people like that? Because that's love, because that's friendship. Now, listen, what did Jesus say? Love others as you would have them love you. It's really simple. If you begin to think, what kind of friend do you like? think about that. What are your best friends and why are you guys close? How can you be that kind of friend to somebody else? How can you do for others what they have been doing for you? How can you love them as you would want to be loved? It is really that simple. It really is that simple. Because again, we're not trying to like, I have to get them saved. I have to get them to my church. No, we're just trying to love them, love people, no matter where they're on their spiritual journey, and love them into uh, a relationship with the Lord. And really, we want them to be in relationship with us, all the time as well. And so, real quick, some 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 advice here. Smile. Smile. We need to, we need to be people that look people in the eye and smile. When you show up at work, be filled up, be prayed up, and be ready to be a light. And you walk in there and hey guys, how you doing? Oh, but Dave, that's fake. Because what if I'm tired? Tell people, hey, what's so guys? I'm so tired. Put a smile on your face, right? When we come to church, why do you think here we're trying to be friendly and loving to each other? Oh, because we're fake. We're fake here. No, we're not fake. We're trying to love each other. You know, think about it. We all say that actions speak louder than words. Well, let me tell you what actions speaks louder than words. I got that from Dale Carnegie. He's the one who wrote the book, How to Make Friends and Influence People. It's a self-help book from the 1930s. I'm not necessarily recommending the whole book or anything, but I'll tell you, there's some tremendous wisdom there. There's some tremendous wisdom from Dale Carnegie at just how to make friends. I love it. I love it. He said, uh, let, me, let me just read a couple quotes from him. I mean, this is not biblical truth, but this is some this is funny stuff here. I loved it. I, literally, I read this quote and I thought, oh my goodness, that's like my life right there. That's it. I want everyone to learn this. This is amazing. Look at this. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people to be interested in you. Bam! Dang! Wow! No, seriously, all you have to do to become a good friend, and this is true, Christians, non-Christians, whatever, how are you doing? Tell me about your life. Let me tell you something. Instead of trying to argue somebody into the kingdom, the best thing you could ever do is listen. Dale Carnegie says, people will, uh, oh, let, me, let me read this to you. I don't want to mess it up. This is hilarious. He goes, he goes, uh okay here <clears> this <throat> is. Uh, wait, uh hold, oh it's right there. Come on now. Oh, here we go. Talk to someone about themselves and they'll listen for hours. I'm telling you. They'll tell you that was the best conversation I've ever had and you'll think I didn't say anything. <laughs> and guess what? You are making a disciple. Well, I, I, we're not talking about manipulation, we're talking about love. We're talking about coming to somebody and saying, tell me, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What do you believe? What? Now, why do you believe that? You know, I'll tell you some, oh, I'll, I've got, I got, a lot of you do this, so I've got some people to interview and I've got some stories to tell, but I need to wrap it up. Listen, this is what I do. You might think Dave's a preacher, so he just preaches at people. No, I do this because you need to hear the word right now. But when I'm sitting face-to-face with somebody or I'm going on a hike with somebody who's not a Christ follower or I'm having coffee with somebody or maybe somebody who's a Christ follower is going through something and they come to my office, I ask lots of questions. Now, I'm not as good as my wife, but I'll sit there and just say, with with a non-believer, I want to know what you believe first. Now, can you explain that to me? Can you explain that to me? Can you explain, like, anarchy to me? Now, what is that? What exactly do you mean by that? Like, how would that work? Wow, that's really interesting. Wow, that's amazing. Now, now, what about the fact that like anarchy could Can you explain that? You know. Wow, you Oh, you really you like punk rock? Okay, cool. I'm te- I, I mean I will walk with people hours, days, weeks, months, however it takes. Sometimes people are quicker, get there quicker, and I'll ask them what they believe, why they believe it, and listen a lot of times. I then simply just begin to say here's what I'm looking for. Instead of arguing about things we don't agree on, I'm looking for commonality. I'm looking for, and here's where commonalities are, what we value. Or not even, I'm sorry, not what we value, what we desire. You may not agree with their lifestyle, and you surely, I'm sure, do not agree with what they believe about God a lot of times. Listen, we're all longing for something. I've walked and journeyed with people who are in New Age, who are Buddhists, who are a number of things that we would say we don't agree with their worldview, maybe we don't agree with their lifestyle. We're not, we don't judge, we just don't agree, it's, it's not true. And so we as Christians, we think, I have to tell them it's not true. I have to tell them. Now, there is time to do that, and there's time you have to be led by the Spirit. But I'll tell you, a lot of times I just walk with them, and I walk with them, and I ask them questions, and I talk with them, and I love them, and I listen. And I say, oh, I see you're longing for that in your life. And when you can, it's called active listening. It's called, um, ref, or, or, or more than that, reflective listening. If When you can repeat back to somebody what they said to you, they will feel loved and understood. Oh, man, I can see, man, you're longing for a connection with God. Yeah, that's what I'm, you get it. I totally get it, because that's what I'm longing for. Now you have a commonality. And now you can begin to show them why it is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you can say, can I tell you why I'm a Christ follower? Because now, when you tell them why you're a Christ follower, they're going to see how he meets the need that they're longing for. They're going to see that it's not about religion or, see what I'm saying? If you'll just love people, smile, you speak words of affirmation to them, honor them, bless them. A lot of other things that I could go over with you. A lot of other proverbs that I could give you. If you'll serve them, eat with them, I'll tell you, people's hearts will open up. And you'll find, your, you'll find where you can just serve them and bless them and influence them, and you can share a testimony, you can speak to them. But I'll tell you, that, that Dale Carnegie quote is huge for me. You'll make more friends in you know, two weeks versus, or whatever, two months versus two years. If we as Christ followers would turn from inward to outward, if we get into people's lives and say, I'm going to be your friend just to be your friend, and we become listeners instead of tellers, and we begin to do these things like honor, so even when I don't agree with somebody's belief, I will affirm them still. I say, oh man, you re- I can, man, you, man you're really going after God here. Yeah, but Dave, they're like doing New Age meditation. Yeah, but they're wanting God. So I'll tell them, I'll affirm them. Because it's true, I'm not making it up, I'm not flattering, I'm affirming them. Speaking life to them. I'm building a bridge so that I can then lead them to a place where they realize that only Christ save only Christ can heal only Christ will bring them to God amen we know that already we know that he's the healer we know that he's the savior we know he's the only way the truth and life and so it's getting to a place where we can journey with people to impart that to them amen so if Jesus is friend of sinner we are called to do that too and if he was good at it I'm challenging you get good at it and many of you you're already doing this but I'll, I'll tell you any of us could grow in these huh any of us could improve in wisdom If we need wisdom for our finances, and we need wisdom for our marriage, and we need wisdom for all that, and you think that's important, many of you, man, Dave, help me with my marriage. Amen, I'll help you with your marriage. Amen. Read books on that, too. But what about making disciples? We need to learn skills for that, too. We need to learn wisdom for that, too. Amen? Amen. Tom, lead us in response.